I think we'll kick things off with Mr. and Mrs. Tucker today. Is today the actual date of your anniversary? Yesterday, 45 years ago yesterday, and where was that at? Uh, St. Stan's. St. Stan's. What were you thinking? I'm kidding. (laughs) Come up here and let's bless you. Yes. Who was the priest that witnessed those vows? It wasn't. It wasn't Canon Boom Boom Vashinsky, I hope. God bless it. All right. 45 years and one day and many more. So bow your heads as we pray God's blessing. I'm going to get where the live stream can see you, so I'm not going to block the view there. Holy Father, creator of the universe, maker of man and woman in your own likeness, source of blessing for married life, we humbly pray to you for Karen, who today celebrates 45 years in the sacrament of marriage with David. May your fullest blessing come upon her and her husband so that together they may continue to rejoice in your gift of married love in the presence of their children and their children's children. Lord, may Dave and Karen praise you when they are happy and turn to you in their sorrow. May they be glad that you help them in their work and know that you are with them in their need. May they pray to you in the community of the church and be your witnesses in the world. May Dave and Karen reach old age in the company of their friends and come at last to the kingdom of heaven. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may kiss your bride. Happy anniversary. Congratulations. Happy trails. God bless you. Today's gospel and last Sunday's fit very closely together. Last Sunday it was the end of chapter 18 of Luke. Now we're in the beginning of chapter 19 and we see a tax collector in both. Last Sunday, if you recall, is the Pharisee and the tax collector praying side by side. And now we have Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a rather unpopular figure in Jericho. His name means innocent and pure in Greek. He is anything but in the eyes of the residents of that city, so close to Jerusalem. And Jesus is getting very close to the destiny. All summer long, we've been following Jesus on the way of the cross in Luke's gospel. It started in chapter 9, 10 chapters ago, when Jesus first predicted his passion and set on a path that would lead him to Jerusalem, to his passion, and to the Passover. And now Jesus is very close to the fulfillment of his journey. Jericho is just outside the walls of Jerusalem. And all the people have come to see him as he prepares to enter the holy city, including Zacchaeus, who because he's such a small man has to climb up the sycamore tree so that he will be able to see Jesus over the heads of all the other people. Further proof that Jesus is God and Jesus knows everyone and everything, even though he and Zacchaeus have never met, he calls him by name and says, come down quickly out of that tree for I am going to come into your house today. No one else like that. Zacchaeus, everybody in that city owed him money. Nobody, nobody would have thought that that was the house where Jesus would choose to pass his time that evening. Not only was Zacchaeus a tax collector, he's the chief. That means even the other tax collectors have to give him a cut of their earnings. It helps us to remind ourselves of Judah and Israel's history up until this point. For the thousand years before the coming of Christ, Israel and Judah were seldom free and independent territories. They had been conquered by the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Macedonians, then the Greeks. And by the time Jesus comes to Jericho, Israel and Judah had been occupied Roman provinces for a hundred years. 
We've heard that phrase, all roads lead to Rome, and it was true that the Roman Empire had the most vast network of roads the world had ever seen, but who built them? Slaves from the occupied provinces. How were they paid for? The taxes that were coming into the imperial capital from all over, all these conquered lands, off the broken backs of the people of Israel and Judah and so many other countries that lost their freedom, swallowed up in the empire that was Rome. These tax collectors then had to place a bid in order to get their job, promising how much money they were going to send to Rome, but it didn't limit them from setting a commission on every charge and making more for themselves. There were taxes for the local municipality, taxes for Herod and Jerusalem, then the taxes going off to Rome, but then there's always the froth in the cup, the commission they set for themselves. Every single adult in Jericho owed Zacchaeus money. They couldn't afford to pay it. The taxes were always increasing, and they saw no benefit for the money that kept going out. But in a moment, Zacchaeus experiences a true conversion. It's a three-part process. It starts with repentance. He recognizes that he has cheated all of these people. The second part is restitution. Not only is he willing to pay them all back, erase their debt. He's going to give them four times more than what he ever took from them, and he's going to give the other half of his belongings to the poor. Like the apostles, Zacchaeus is now willing to leave everything just because Jesus wants to come into his home, and more importantly, into his heart. And in Jesus, Zacchaeus has found something worth far more than silver or gold. Then there's the third part. So it started with repentance, then restitution, then rejoicing. Zacchaeus has found a new lease on life. It's as if he grew taller that day once he came down from that tree because he knows that Jesus is soon to climb the tree of the cross and he's going to do it for Zacchaeus and sinners of every stripe. And that's what Jesus wanted those onlookers to understand that were so unhappy that he would choose Zacchaeus to welcome to salvation. As far as Jesus was concerned, all of us are sinners. We need not worry about whether someone's sins are different than our own, whether someone sins more than we do. He thinks we all should be concentrating on getting our own houses in order rather than standing in judgment of what someone else has done. For in Jesus, all of us are brothers and sisters. He believes that we are all sons and daughters of God, and we should treat each other accordingly. And that's written into Jesus' DNA. We heard it in the first reading from the Book of Wisdom, two centuries before Jesus was born, that God loves all that is because he made it, and he hates nothing that he has made. God loves everyone. He wants us to do the same. God forgives everyone. He wants us to do the same and hopes that we will all be marching in with those saints that will celebrate this week on All Saints Day. Let us stand and profess our faith. I believe in one God.